well. It's nice to be at the Watsons. Um, looking out at, out at some uh, beautifully mowed grass. Thanks, thanks Glenn, who was up early this morning to mow his lawn for us here. It's very nice. Draw attention to it. We, uh, now I'm going to draw attention to Leanne's muffins as well. We've really been set up for success this morning and Brad stopped at a bakery this morning and bought goodies and then had a coffee on the way in as well. So we, um, we've really been taken care of. So thanks guys. Um, well, we're going to, we're going to continue in Ephesians this morning. We looked at, um, we looked at Ephesians for the first half two weeks ago. Um, and, uh, Brad shared a little bit about, um, about that. No, I don't want to sort of just dismiss that because it's the same chapter and sort of want to want to read uh, the next part in context. But um, I don't know if you remember, um, but yeah, the first half, I guess, was about um, was about oneness. And um, it said that, you know, God gives us gifts and the purpose for those gifts is to use them together and um, to, to build each other up in, in love and um, and that the result of that would be oneness and an increasing of our faith. And so let's, um, yeah, just wanted to be reminded of that as we sort of dive into the second half of uh, Ephesians 4. So if you've got your, um, got your device or if anyone carries an actual Bible these days, feel free to, oh, Leon's got one. Okay, cool. Um, this, is, this is Ephesians 4, 17 to 24, and I'm going to read it to you in the, in the Amplified version. So let's, um, let's dive into it. Thanks, Leon. And it says, so this I say, this is um, from verse 17. So this I say and solemnly affirm together with the Lord as in his presence, that you must no longer live as the unbelieving Gentiles live in the futility of their minds and the foolishness and emptiness of their souls. For their moral understanding is darkened and their reasoning is clouded. They're alienated and self-banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is because of the willful ignorance and spiritual blindness that is deep-seated within them, because of the hardness and insensitivity of their heart. And they, the ungodly in their spiritual apathy, have become callous and unfeeling, have given themselves over as prey to unbridled sensuality, eagerly craving the practice of every kind of impurity that their desires may demand. <clears throat> but you did not learn Christ this way. If, in fact, you have really heard him and have been taught by him, just as truth is in Jesus, revealed in his life and personified in him, that regarding your previous way of life, you put off your old self, completely discard your former nature, which is being corrupted through deceitful desires, and continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude, and put on the new self, the regenerated and renewed nature, created in God's image, God-like in the righteousness and holiness of the truth, living in a way it expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. And so there's a lot there, but um, and, and we'll get to have a chat about it at the moment, but there's a few things, I guess, that, that stood out um, just coming through that. And I guess I've had a little bit of a head start during the week, but um, I mean, if you, if you do look at it in, in context, uh, I mean, I remember two weeks ago coming out of, you know, sharing the first part, feeling like, oh, gee, it's just so great to, to be with you guys. Like, um, you know, after after you re remembering that the entire purpose of what we're doing together is that we would be one and building each other up in love, and and I, I think I just sort of finished two weeks ago just valuing that so highly, and um, and then Paul sort of flips it now and he's talking about you know this life of um, 
unbelievers and the result of that. And so he's creating a contrast and um, basically he's, he's um, suggesting that those who choose not to believe um, it's, it's, it's their choice, you know? So this, this life of oneness and building each other up in, in, in love and using gifts for the purpose of building the kingdom, um, that's God's gift to us. But what Paul's saying now is, but this is your choice. You know, you have a role to play and you can choose this. And he, he begins to talk about the old nature and the new nature um, and suggests that um, we have uh, a choice every day to have our minds renewed, to put on this new nature. But he doesn't just suggest that we should try really hard to put on a new nature. He actually sort of maps it out for us. And um, so uh, after saying, you know, this is, this is your choice and, and those who don't believe have a choice and it's their willful ignorance um, that leads them to self-banishment. So removal of, you know, of themselves from the presence of God, that's their choice. He goes on to say, and this is, this is a part, to be honest, that I, I sort of looked at the first time. I didn't, didn't really fully understand because it says, um, uh, it says the reason for um, the way or the position they find themselves in is unfeeling callousness and a hardness of the heart. And so I get to that and, and I actually stopped reading and I thought, well, why? Like, why, why is that a thing? Why is it that, you know, I sort of um, have learned that, you know, reading through um, oodles of scripture, just, you know, just trying to get it in me doesn't really work as well as, you know, sitting with the Holy Spirit and asking, you know, what he's trying to say. And so Paul's talking about you know, this life of unbelieving leading to all sorts of impurities, but um, really the, the pivotal, um, I guess, element is um, their inability to, to feel. And, and I started thinking about um, why, why is it that we would be unfeeling? Like I put, try and put myself in, in that category as well. I don't want to just skip over it and be like, yeah, that's the unbelievers. Do you know what I mean? Like there is unbelief in, in all of us in some way. And so um, I started just considering this idea of, um, of unfeelingness or callousness and hardness of heart. And I think the reason why I would choose not to, to feel is, is to avoid the bad feelings. Do you know what I mean? Like if, if we group our feelings into good and bad, you know, I want, I want the good feelings. We'll all chase that, but I don't want the bad feelings. The problem with that is if I, experience a trauma or a pain in my life and I decide that the best way um, to protect myself from such things in future is to become unfeeling then I am also protecting myself from all of the feelings that I require to end up in oneness with you all you know love vulnerability compassion all the things that would draw us together as one and and, and build each other up and so yeah I, I just I guess I felt like you know pain is inevitable in life and so it's no wonder that Paul is saying, hey, like, you know, this is not, this is not the Christ that you received. And I think back to, um, you know, um, when Lazarus died and, and Jesus just weeping, like he, he was a man of feeling, you know, like he didn't avoid emotion. He, he felt the full range and the full gamut of emotion. And, um, and he didn't um, turn to anything of the world in order to avoid the bad emotions because he wanted to feel the bad emotions because he recognized the, um, the value in them. And so I look at that and suddenly it makes sense when, you know, um, Paul starts talking about, well, the reason they turn to all kinds of unbridled impurity in life is to avoid emotion, which is this callousness and hardheartedness and this attempt to, to be unfeeling. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, I guess it, um, I guess it, 
made me look towards my own heart and I started to consider, well, you know, like, where am I on feeling? What am I trying to avoid? And, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think the thing that we're a part of does ask us to come close, to come close to people, to, to value a, a relationship in, um, in closeness. And so, um, yeah, I, I found myself like to be like I, I try not to remove myself from um, from you know the whatever I see is your poor behaviour in in the scripture. Uh, even even last night I was I, I realised I was doing it, and this has happened before. I, I was standing there. Mel, Mel has organised our um, pantry into like clear um, plastic containers and empties all of the the items into them. So you look at the pantry, and it's actually quite tempting and at the front last night were salted peanuts and i'm not saying that salted peanuts are like unbridled impurity in themselves <laughs> but to me you know last night i found myself in a position where i was searching for something and i felt like salted peanuts were the answer you know what i mean and and um i recognized that there was a, a level of emotion that i had decided that i would try to avoid and i found myself you know back to my children who are having you know their second go at their healthy dinner and i'm you know hiding in the pantry just you know doing this with salted peanuts and you know giving them half you know half an answer at the corner of my mouth when they're asking me questions because i'm chewing on these peanuts and it's so, yeah I, I just i just realized like i can be there i can i can i can do this and it, it says you know to be continually um renewed in your mind and so you know i, I actually ended up taking myself off after the kids were in bed last night and I, I was just praying I was like you know god what what am i what am i trying to avoid and i realized that there was just some things that i was carrying that were just too much like just felt too heavy and um it was just a real opportunity to sit with with god and um you know i did some thrive and some deep breathing sort of exercises and um yeah i i came through that and and was able to you know surrender a bunch of stuff that just felt like a lead weight just sitting on me after that experience and um yeah it really it really was a pathway to experiencing his love because when you i guess when you come back online when you allow your your feelings to come back online that is like coming back into his presence do you know what i mean like living in this self-banished um, um state uh, where I'm choosing to be outside of his presence because of my unfeeling and turning to all kinds of unbridled impurity. Doesn't, doesn't like it, it sounds, you know, it sounds like as, as horrible as, you know, murdering someone or something in here. Paul's really having a go, but it can be as simple as peanuts. Do you know what I mean? So, so that, that was my experience last night. And so, um, yeah, that, that was, I guess what the Holy Spirit was just sort of showing me as I was reading through the scripture, I've, I've sort of taken it down a lane and, um, yeah, I guess there's a there's a lot in here. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'd be keen to hear what you guys sitting in this room have to say about it. It'd be great if um, in your room, if you have Ephesians 4 from you know, verse 17 there in front of you, that might help. But, um, yeah, well, let's let's do the same. Let's, you know, consider this scripture. Let's consider what, you know, the Holy Spirit would, would have to say about it for us. And, and, and let's consider, you know, what our experiences are. Um, namely, you know, like, what, what do you think it looks like to live? self-banished you know in ignorance and um how does living with a, a disconnected heart and a hard heart or an unfeeling heart contribute to that so let's dive into it in our rooms i'm keen to hear what this um group has to say and yeah i hope you guys have a good discussion too we'll come back shortly ah uh, yeah
have a God who just burns for us. I think that song is just talking about burning, burning with love, burning for him. I just feel like that's right on topic. I feel like we had a really good discussion as well in here. We, what did we speak about? Was, yeah, we, we spoke about this idea that um, yeah, it can seem, can seem uh, I don't know, like you have to really try hard to connect the dots between this idea of being unfeeling could cost, you know, our relationship with God and, you know, seeing how um, doing that in the natural, um, we can see that playing out in natural relationships, but seeing that playing out in a, in a spiritual manner, in a spiritual way, costs us our relationship with God too. And, um, yeah, we spoke about, you know, it'd be easy to feel like a victim to that. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, just, just highlights the importance of, you know, being where we are, finding our own heart, um, not losing sight of um, the reality of, you know, of being present um, and that, that leading us into a place where we can really connect with, you know, with God. Um, so that was the, I guess that was the third quarter of um, Ephesians 4. We're going we're gonna to cap off with um, verses 25 to 32 to the end. So if you've got it in front of you, let's, let's read through and, and we'll have a chat about that as well. And it says, uh, therefore, rejecting all falsehood, whether lying, defrauding, telling half-truths, spreading rumours, any such as these, speak truth, each one with his neighbour, for, for we are all parts of one another. And we're all parts of the body of Christ. Be angry at sin, at immorality, at injustice, at ungodly behaviour, yet do not sin. Do not let your anger to cause you shame, nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. And do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harbouring resentment or cultivating bitterness. The thief who has come become a believer must no longer steal, but instead he must work hard, making an honest living, producing that which is good with his own hands so that he will have something to share with those in need. Do not let unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth but only such speech as is good for building up others according to the need and the occasion. So that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but seek to please him by whom you were sealed and marked, branded as God's own for the day of redemption, the final deliverance from the consequence of sin. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour, perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, fault finding and slander be put away from you along with every kind of malice, all spiteful, verbal abuse, malevolence. Be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another, readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you. It's interesting that, you know, right at the end there, Paul mentions being tender-hearted, which is really the opposite of, um, you know, what we were talking about before. Um, I think there's two things that struck me again in here, and I had to read over them and, and you know hopefully with the help of the Holy Spirit again just sort of revealing what's in this scripture there's just two things that I want to sort of focus on before throwing it back to you guys but I think um I think reading through this you know could seem like a, a list of to-dos you know things that um you know Paul says as believers this is this is how you should live um but I think he he sort of again just offers a real a real pathway um to coming to desire to live in this way and 
And one thing that really struck me was, you know, like Paul's talking about what not to do here, you know, like spreading rumours and lying, <clears throat> talking about rejecting falsehood. But then he goes on to talk about anger. I thought, you know, I was praying like, and it's like, God, like, open this up to me. Like, why after speaking about what we've just spoken about, becoming unfeeling um, and calloused and hard-hearted, why would, why would you then talk about anger? How does that, how does that play out? I felt like... Um, what he was showing me was that um, it's, it really starts with the whole rejecting all falsehood. I think we can assume that you know falsehood exists outside of us, but we are part of a community in which we come together to be vulnerable and become one. And yet, falsehood doesn't exist outside of us, but it exists within us. And yet, the scripture asks us to reject all falsehood. Then I can be sure that um, out of love, if someone says a falsehood something that I need to take responsibility for in my life and speaks truth, rejecting all falsehood, just as this scripture suggests, that actually it might feel like I could be on the receiving end of a pretty hard word and not see it as someone loving me. I don't know if that's ever been your experience, but I, I have had people come to me and say, hey, you know, like I see this in you, you know, I see, see pride, you know, I see something that is not quite right. I see you, you know, playing the victim and feel like you're not, you're not seeing things as it as as reality would, would seem to be and you know looking back i can look at those things and i can see oh, you know like that that person loves me so much that they would risk their relationship with me in order to reject falsehood and encourage me to reject falsehood by bringing truth in love and and i think the problem with that is that it hurts and and so you know paul paul starts talking about anger and I think to, you know, moments where, you know, I've been challenged to share with someone like a difficult word. And and I think the thing that I would fear most would be someone's anger. And and I think, you know, Paul rightfully begins to talk about anger and how to deal with it because because that I think that can come up pretty easily, um, especially in amongst a group of people who are, you know, vulnerable and open-hearted and feeling, because when you start to feel you'll start to feel negative things as well. And so that's why he, he goes on to talk about, um, you know, let's not, let's not be angry at the person. Let's be angry at the sin. You know, he, he, and he's, um, he's sort of imploring us to separate, you know, the person and see that the falsehood is not the person. So don't be angry at them, but be angry at the sin and be angry at the falsehood itself. So I thought that was just an interesting um, addition that Paul made. I, I think... I find that incredibly helpful because I think it's easy to, if we, if we see something in someone and, you know, we, you know, the Bible says that we should be able to judge all things. So, you know, if the Father opens our eyes to what falsehood is, this just provides a bit of a pathway to help us help the person and love the person through it and use our feeling and our open-heartedness and, and compassion and, um, to, to help us deal with that. But he goes on to talk about, um, this, this was probably the other thing that, what I struggled with initially um, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, it feels like he's going through this list of things that are to do that you have to do. You know what I mean? It would be easy to just gloss over this and feel like, oh man, yeah, I've got a lot to live up to. But then he says, um, you know, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And I had sort of read through this, you know, over a week ago. And um, I feel like sometimes, you know, in preparation for a Sunday, I feel like, feel like I can experience the thing that we're you know, reading about or talking about. Like even, even, you know, when someone else 
often when someone else says, oh, I'm dealing with this, I'm like, I'm dealing with that. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're, you know, I feel like we are together in this as one and, and that plays out in different ways. But in this case, I, I really felt like I just started to experience grief, like real grief and um, felt like that was helpful. Felt like that helped me um, come to an understanding of, you know, it reminded me what grief was and essentially, you know, it's about, it's about loss. You know, grief is about mourning loss. Um, and I felt like God said to me, you know, like, um, grief, grief can be righteous, you know, and I felt like, you know, he, he was showing me that the grief that I was experiencing in this case was actually a good thing. Like it was a, a grief because of love. And, um, you know, like I think of the moments where I've experienced, um, the greatest forms of grief in my life, life and, um, they're, they're most definitely, you know, the most painful moments are tied to a loss and, and a loss of relationship. You know, like I, I could lose a house, a car, you know, certain valuable things that, um, you know, cost a lot of money and, and that would be disappointing. But I think the thing that hurts the most, especially if someone chooses to um, end a relationship or, or not to be in my presence, um, I think it's really hard to think of something that would be more painful or feel more costly to me. Um, and so, yeah, I really, really felt like that the, the greatest loss could be the loss of relationship. And um, we started thinking about, you know, death or a close friendship. And, um, and I started thinking about this idea that, you know, the, the greater the amount of love that you offer, the greater risk you put yourself in of losing. Do you know what I mean? And, and so Paul's saying, you know, don't, don't protect yourself from that. You know, don't be unfeeling. Allow yourself to risk greatly in love. Um, and so, yeah, I started to sort of um, consider, uh, you know, why, why, why would I, um, why would I choose this life, this new nature? Um, and and when I start to consider that um, Paul's asking us not to grieve the Holy Spirit, and this principle that the greatest, the greater love that you offer, the greater risk you take. And the Bible um, talks about, you know, God's nature as love. And I think about the love that he displayed and all that he was prepared to lose. <clears throat> and I think about in my relationship with him that he has risked so much for the sake of love that he lives in the hope that I would choose him. Like, wow, it's like, um, that just turns, turns things on its head. Like, this is a list of things that, you know, if I'm choosing the new nature that my life should look like and it would be easy to feel obligated in that. But when I consider the risk that he's taken, all he's asking is that I would be close to him. And why would I not want to be? Yeah, why, why would I not want to be close to a God who has risked so much for me? Yeah. Offered so much. Yeah, it just makes me, it makes me want to be one with him. And, you know, when I set, when I set my mind on those things, like I actually wrote down the word, you know, my heart burns. My heart burns with passion for living the way that Paul describes because it brings me closer to him, the God who loves me, the God who risked so much, the God who is so feeling, you know, like it says that um, we were created in God's image and so put on that image like put on that new life. The new life is the image of God. And so therefore with Paul's describing 
um, that new nature is a nature that is highly feeling, that means that God is highly feeling. So not only did he show such extravagant love, he did it at great risk of having his feelings hurt. And when I compare that to the moments in which I have um, experienced such great loss and then uh, consider the things that I would turn to that are not him and consider that he would experience such great loss when I choose to not be with him. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, it almost, almost gives me a glimpse of his feelings towards me. I know that I can't fathom his love. I know that I couldn't really. But, you know, like that's what David says in the Psalms, you know, how precious are your thoughts toward me. Um, you know, I heard uh, it was Chris Bellaton on a, um, on a video podcast popped up on a feed just this week and he was talking about, you know, like some people are confused about if they have even 10 minutes, what to do with that 10 minutes, you know, if they're seeking a relationship with God. And his advice was just focus on his thoughts towards you, how he sees you. Um, you know, a lot of us would focus on trying to live this life the best that we possibly can, but ultimately we fail because we don't have a revelation of his love. Mm-hmm. But when we understand that the Holy Spirit is so pleased, our choice our willful ignorance, ignorance to separate ourselves from him. That's our motivation to live the life full of passion and desire that Paul's described here. It's not a list of to-dos. It becomes a, a way of life that we so desire. We, we burn so much with his heart for us that we have a heart for him. Okay. I started thinking about you know, my own relationships and the kids. You know, I guess that's, the, that's probably the, you know, you're either a child or you're a parent. You sort of can't escape it here. Um, but as, as a parent, you know, if my kids decided that I was no good and they didn't want to be around me, I guess that's their choice one day. That's my risk. But, yeah, I think I, think I would. Uh, it's a terrible thought. Why did I start talking about this? <laughs> I like to think... <laughs> please, please, Leon, preach. <laughs> I think, I think I would, I think I would hold out for any. I think I would give just about anything I possibly could to, you know, even just for the off chance, for the opportunity that they would return to me one day. Anyway, I think. Uh, Again, there's there's a lot <clears throat> there's a lot in that, and, and you guys can pull out what you will. But you know, I just um, I didn't want us to read this feeling like, oh, Paul's telling us to do all of this and do all of that. It's just not it's not where he's going. Where he's going is with this idea that you know we are so loved. What an extravagant love! Like how good is it? How fantastic? How amazing is it that we have a God that loves us so much that He would be grieved if we chose willful ignorance and banishment from His presence? If we chose that, it's our choice. Nature is our choice, but we can come to desire the nature not because we try hard, but because we recognize his love. And I think that's the point that Paul's, Paul's trying to make. So anyway, it goes from it goes from a list of to-dos to try and accomplish to just great news. It's just great news that you know, like the emptiness of my soul has doesn't have to be anymore because I have a God who just burns for me, just loves me so much. And 
And really, if I have 10 minutes, you know, just to sit and I'm not sure what to do with God, you know, just ask him for his thoughts towards me. That would be a great way to spend 10 minutes to be filled. All right, let's break. We'll have a chat. Yeah, good. Thanks, James. Really appreciate you sharing that with us this morning and just sharing your thoughts. We've had lots of good convos here and with the kids and yeah, just, just worthy things to keep in our lives that, um, and this this idea that, um, we can make some choices and even when we're angry, we can make the choice. We're free to choose. And that, that is a freeing thought. Like I still have a choice in my anger um, to see what God sees and to act appropriately from there. And I think that's a powerful consideration. And then thank you for the expression of a father's heart for us that he doesn't desire for a self-banishment and, and that we fall prey to the enemy and his schemes and, you know, darkness and unfeeling, an unfeeling clouded, you know, existence, but he actually wants clarity and for us to be these, I don't know, for me, the picture is like, is like, he's got these kids that are like warriors, like they carry his banner and they carry his name and they carry his sword and his word and his truth. And they see, you know, and they're angry at the right things, but they, they speak the truth in love and they pursue, you know, like I started to get this feeling of this warrior feeling. And then I started to get this feeling of like, what would happen if I go to bed with my anger then, you know, and then the, the father's heart that grieves that goes, you, you turn from this warrior into this like prey, you know, so susceptible on your own now you've isolated self-banished yourself and you're so susceptible to an enemy who would come to rob it from you and i don't want that for you my desire is that you would remain as warriors you know I, that's the picture for me that rose up and i'm just so thankful thank you for your um encouragement this morning thank you paul you know for writing such a powerful scripture that we could sit in i'm just thankful the lord for that this morning we're just going to worship one more time here and then at the end of worship we'll just turn you back to your rooms and for the rest of your morning encourage you to um, chat about unfinished things or and, and and even just pray in your room uh to close the morning and um it's just been really good to be with you really good to see you guys out at camp hope you guys have a great rest of your morning but um yeah, let's just worship into this song and just let the lord sort of sink some of these truths in and then and then pray to close in your rooms and um and uh, we'll call it a morning thank you so much for being together it's good to see you we'll be back together at camp next week Lord, you are